I'm always amazed at how God works in lives, you know, like Stevens, and I've had those same kind of instances in my life where you've had to make tough decisions like that, and it's amazing how God works it out. Well, I was really encouraged Sunday because what Paul and John talked about pretty much introduced my whole topic for tonight. And I, this was actually something that I had been looking at kind of for me. I think it was for me back then, but um, I think it was probably two or three years ago, actually. But um, what I want to look at is Nehemiah chapter 2. And um, as soon as we turn there, then we'll pray. All right. Father, I thank you for another time to um, get together and hear your word. And um, pray that you'd speak to us tonight. Pray that you'd guide my thoughts and my words and um, just minister to us. I just thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. This is where. Nehemiah was sent to Jerusalem to see the state of things with the people back in Jerusalem. Most of them were taken captive, and there was a few left. Um, And the the whole city was basically destroyed. So he was sent back to see what the state of things were. And so starting in, uh, let's go with starting verse 11. So Nehemiah says, I I came to Jerusalem and was there three days, and I arose in the night, and I and some few men with me. Neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, into the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof, which were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. So everything was just broken down. There wasn't even room for him to get under there. Then I went up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers knew not whither I went or what I did. Neither had I yet, as yet told it to the Jews, neither to the, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Then said I unto them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, and as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. So I know Nehemiah is talking about a physical wall, um, the walls of Jerusalem that were all broken down. The gates were burnt with fire. They had no defense. Um, they were a reproach to the people around them. But what if we take this and look at this as if we were talking about our relationships in our church? You know, um, do we have holes in our walls? Are our gates broken down? Are there relationships that need to be fixed? Um, you know, I think there's things that we can do to, to do that. <clears throat> but for a title tonight, I want to call it uh, Building Your Section of the Wall. Um, relationships are very important. And like Paul was talking about and John, that's largely what our church is made of. I mean, that's what a church is. It's people that come together to hear the word and to 
um, you're joined together as a body. Um, but if our relationships are broken, the devil gets in, he destroys. Um, you know, broken relationships hinder body ministry, they hinder our prayers being answered, they hinder operation of gifts. Um, if I had a problem with Thomas here, if he has a word of encouragement or exhortation for me, and I think, he's a low-down, dirty guy, I mean, why would I accept anything from him? You know, he probably has it out for me or something. So we can't do that. We're, we're going to miss out on stuff that God has for us. Um, let's go to 1 Corinthians 12 and read verses 14 to 20. It talks about the body of Christ and all our different roles and um, that we're all part of it. Okay, chapter 12, verses 14 to 20. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Just because it says, I'm not of the body, that doesn't make it not of the body. Um, verse 16. And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not the, of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now God has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. So we're all, we're all part of each other. We all function in some way in this body. We are all part of it. Even if we're the toe, I mean, we don't think we even know the head or the, you know, the eyes, or, but we are part somehow. You know, in church, sometimes we, or actually the Christian walk, we think we're alone sometimes. We don't really interact with others in our walk. We don't, I mean, we just kind of think, it's just me and God, and this is it. Um, you know, we make choices that just whatever, we don't pay attention to anybody else, really. Um, we don't think about it, that our choices affect other people in the church. But uh, God designed the church to be a unit with every part supplying a need that the body has, and then us in turn getting our needs met by people in the body. Um, back to our wall here. You know, a unified group makes a strong wall. It provides a good defense against Satan, against you know whatever he tries to bring against us. Um, and that's why I think he tries and it succeeds so many times at keeping us at odds, because he can get in when we have. Um, things between us, and when our wall is broken down, our relationships are broken down. So I want to um, give, I guess, five, six, seven steps, or practical things that we can do to build this wall. First one is to look around and see if you've wronged anybody that you need to ask forgiveness from. Um, I've had to do that, and I know it's, it's a hard thing sometimes. Um, especially if you feel like you're a, well, you're not, it's, it's actually pride, I guess. It's, you're not humble enough to go ask somebody for your forgiveness because you think, well, everybody thinks I'm all right. Kind of like what Thomas, or Thomas, Stephen probably felt. Um, I mean, that's, that's only God's working in somebody that can uh, give them the courage to do things like that. Um, Matthew 5, might as well turn there. 
but I'm going to have a bunch of scriptures tonight. I know that's not bad because it's God's word. <clears throat> All right, five, chapter 5 of Matthew, let's start in verse 22. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother, Rakah, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and they remember that your brother has ought against you, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you're in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver you to the judge, and the judge deliver you to the officer, and you be cast into prison. So when we come here on Sunday, on Wednesday, whenever we come, you know, we've got to pay attention to that. We can't just come in and say, well, it doesn't matter that my relationship isn't good with you know, somebody or you know, it doesn't really affect my relationship with God or doesn't affect anybody else. It's easy to uh, convince yourself of that, but it, it does. Um, and then the second thing, and this is kind of from the other side of the picture, see if there's anybody you've held resentment towards that maybe they've done something to you or you've perceived that they've done something to you and you build up resentment in your heart and um, you know, it affects your relationship with that other person. They might not even know what they did to you or they may not even have done anything that was you know, actually wrong you might have just taken it wrong. But I've had to do this before, and it, I mean, it totally changed my heart towards the person. Um, I mean, I feel like you have to ask forgiveness even for that, because um, if you resent somebody in your heart, that's going to get between you and that other person, and in turn, your relationship with God. And how you can know that is if, it, if a person or an incident keeps coming to your mind, it's probably because you need to take care of it. You haven't forgotten it. You haven't forgiven. Um, and God uses our conscience to alert us to those areas where we need to take care of it. And a lot of times we think if somebody did something to us, well, you know, I ain't doing anything until they come to me. You know, because they're, they're the ones that have the problem. They're the ones that were wrong to me, so um, I think that's the devil's trick to get us, keep us have a bad relationship with people. You know, I can go to somebody and say, hey, I've, you may not have realized what you did, and you may not have even meant it like that, but I took it as wrong, and I felt like you wronged me. I just want to forgive you, you, you to forgive me, because that was wrong of me to hold resent in my heart. Um, and that, that starts the healing process. That totally, um, it breaks down a barrier that's formed between you and the other person. Another thing we can do is pray for one another. You know, if you, you see a need in someone's life, that's the first thing you can do to, to help them. James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And then also Ephesians 6.18 that we've been hearing every week that John's been talking. 
praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You know, so we, we need to be watching with all perseverance and supplication, you know, asking God to help or whatever, you know, we see somebody's needs are. <clears throat> Another one, um, and this is just, just practical stuff, get to know the people in the church. I mean, how many of us really have a good relationship or know, you know, everybody in the church? Um, to know someone, you have to actually talk to them and be around them. You can't just know somebody by what you hear about somebody or what somebody told you about them. And how we do that, we can get from 1 Peter 4, 8 to 9. It says, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. And then verse 9, Use hospitality one to another without grudging. And Strong's Strong's Dictionary says this about hospitality. It's hospitable and generous to guests. So you have to have guests if you want to have hospitality. So, you know, have someone over to your house. Go out, or if you don't want to have somebody over, go out to dinner with somebody. Or even if you don't want to do that, you know, take a walk around church talking to people. I see people doing that regularly. There's a couple that do that, seems like, every church meeting. But that's, I mean, that's a, you know, an attempt to get to know people, not just stay in your own little circle. Um, you know, so, much, so many times we think we know someone, um, why they do or say, say certain, certain things. But when you really get to know them personally, you talk to them, you, you know, hear what they're dealing with, you tell them what you're dealing with. Um, it doesn't have to be personal things all the time on that level, but just when you're around somebody and you spend time with them, you know them. You know how they react to certain things. You know, um, you know how they treat other people. You know how their relationship with God is. I mean, you can just tell that when you spend time with a person. Um, and lots of times when you do that, all your assumptions go out the window because it's totally not true. I've had that happen several times. And I've been so glad that I've actually went and talked to the person. <clears throat> and we, I mean, we need to invest in each other. A lot of times we think, yeah, like I said, we're just our own little person, our own little family. Um, if we don't invest in each other, we won't have, feel any you know, responsibility to each other or... Um, you know, you just don't care for one another, which is my next point. You know, we need to care for one another. Um, God said to love our neighbor as ourself. You know, that's greater than all the commands. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And Acts 2, you know, all the, the early church, when they were, you know, daily people added to the church and just a, a great revival, yeah, they sold all their possessions and goods and parted them to all man, all men as every man had need. They were watching out for each other. They were taking care of each other. Um, another one, and this is a big one, uh, something I've had to learn. Um, you know, we need to learn to trust each other in the church and likewise be somebody who can be trusted. Uh, Proverbs 18.24. Let's go ahead and turn to that one. 
All right, verse 24 says, A man that has friends must show himself friendly. And there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. So, it's pretty simple. If you want friends, you've got to be a friend. But, in order to be able to trust people, we have to go back to point four. You've got to know people. Um, and be a loyal friend. You know, don't just be a fly-by-night friend. Uh, loyal means to have or show complete and constant support for someone or something. You know, it's not somebody who's faithless or fickle, um, you know, who, a friend one day but not the next, not a traitor. Um, we know 1 Corinthians, the, you know, the love chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 to 7. Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity envies not. Charity vaunts not itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly. Seeks not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Especially that verse 7. That last verse there that we read. That's somebody who you would want to have as a friend. I mean, they are loyal. They believe the best about you. They hope you know, the best. They endure with you. They stay with, stay with you. They don't just leave if things get rough between you. Uh, and then here, here's another thing that is kind of an interesting thing. We can be building relationships, but they're only around us just in this close circle around us. Um, I don't know if we have the markers up here. I was going to draw a little example here. I don't think I ever did this, even when I was a little kid. Never got up here. Okay, these are all walls. Pretty much just little turrets here and there. And then here's a just a, a great big wall where lots of people can get in. That's why I had to have so much detail there. <laughs> All right, so, um, you know, these, these walls will be a bunch of people that are just building relationships around them in a tight little circle. And then this one would be a whole church banded together building the wall. Um, we do this. You know, by withdrawing kind of and not putting time or effort into any relationships besides the one directly around us. And the thing about these little walls, Satan can get in here. 
See that? I mean, he can get in anywhere. He can surround you. And, yeah, it gives you a little bit of protection, but what if you need water? What if you need food? I mean, that's just you right there. What if you need some help? Well, they can't come to you because the enemy's all around you. But if we're all in here, you know, the enemy is stopped. And we're all in here, we're helping each other, we're lifting the guy up who can't, um, can't lift his sword anymore, can't shoot his bow and arrow. Um, you know, somebody's bringing water, the ones that you're fighting. Yeah, we're all together in it. Um, so I think that's, that's something that's, that we're tempted to do. Um, you know, build these little walls where we think, well, hey, I'm, I'm building relationships. I'm, I have good relationships with people. Well, maybe two or three around you, but what about you know, the rest of the people that can, the other parts of the body that can add to what you need? <clears throat> so those seven things, I think, are some, you know, some good practical ways, things that I think God has taught me and is teaching me. I'll kind of go through them one more time here. Uh, the first one is look around and see if you've wronged anybody that you need to ask forgiveness from. Second, you know, see if there's anybody that you've held resentment in your heart towards because of what they may have done to you and ask forgiveness for the resentment. <clears throat> Pray for one another. Get to know the people in the church. Care for one another. Learn to trust others and be somebody who can be trusted. And then step back and see if you're building your wall just around you and your family. Um, you know, when we try to do this, when we do start realizing that we need to build up our portion of the wall, um, as with anything that we know to do right and do it, the devil comes in and he tries to oppose it. Um, Nehemiah says it. Yeah, there's some good examples of this. Uh, go to Nehemiah 2. Back to kind of where we started here. When all the enemies around figured out that Nehemiah was coming back to repair the walls, they got a little mad. So Nehemiah 2, 18 to 20. says, Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this work. So they're starting to build. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build, but you have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. So, you know, that's the Satan coming into us. When we decide, well, I'm going to, you know, I, there is somebody that I kind of, I know my relationship isn't right with. I'm going to go toward them. He's going to, the devil is going to come and he's going to say, no way. I mean, they're going to laugh you to scorn if you say something to them. Or if you ask forgiveness for somebody, they're going to you know, just laugh at you. They're going to despise you. But our response back to Satan should be just like Nehemiah's was to the, those guys that came and opposed him. 
the God of heaven, he will prosper us, and we, his servants, will arise and build. But you, Satan, have no portion in our church, our relationships, you know, no right here. He doesn't have the right to destroy our relationships unless we let him. <clears throat> um, you know, he'll, he's going to say, you know, don't get, don't get too close to anybody. You're going to get hurt, you know, or um, you might get taken advantage of. But, you know, really, even if you do get taken advantage of, a lot of times that's part of God changing us and molding us more how he needs us to be. And if we're obedient to him, he'll take care of us. I remember John said that a couple weeks ago. You know, if you are walking how God wants you to walk, he will take care of you. He'll fight for you. Um, And then, you know, we can be different. um, different, There's different people. uh, You know, build the relationships different. In uh, Nehemiah 3, it talks about all the different people that built the wall. Every, you know, these different men and their families all built the wall. <clears throat> but as I was looking at that, I found like maybe you know, five or six different kinds of builders. Um, and I'd like to kind of look at those quick. Uh, Nehemiah 3, so just over one more chapter here. Nehemiah 3, verse 5, it says, Next unto them the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of the Lord. You know, there's always going to be some who don't seem to pull their weight. And um, so in verse, actually in verse 27, it says that the Tekoites repaired another piece over against the great tower that lies out, even into the wall of Ophel. So these guys took up the slack, you know, doing extra to make up for their slacker nobles. But that, I mean, that's how it's going to be always. You know, there's, you might look at somebody, well, man, they, are, they aren't trying to restore any relationships. You know, what's, what's their problem? But do what you know to do, and um, God will bless it. And then in uh, verse 8 of the same chapter, it says, Next unto him repaired Oziel, the son of Harhiah of the goldsmiths, Next unto him also repaired Hananiah, the son of one of the apothecaries, or like a perfume person. And they fortified Jerusalem unto the broad wall. You know, it didn't matter what their rank or normal work was. They helped with the wall, just like everybody else. Um, You know, I can't see a current-day jeweler or perfume maker building a wall, but um, you know, we can't let who we think we are or kind of our perceptions of people stop us from doing what we know to do and building our relationships back up. Um, Romans 12.3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So put yourself in the place that God tells you to put yourself and um, be humble. Uh, Another kind of worker uh, he talks about Nehemiah 3.12. And next unto him repaired Shalom, the son of Halahesh, the ruler of the half part of Jerusalem, he and his daughters. I thought that was interesting because he and his daughters. You know, he didn't even have sons to help him. He didn't have, the, you know, maybe some of the... the um, what do you say? The 
he didn't have as much help maybe you know as some of the other guys but he didn't let that stop him he knew he was called to do it and he didn't make any excuses and just did it you know we can't make excuses for not functioning in our part of the body um, God picked you to put you in the place you're at the part of the body for you to function in and he gives you everything you need to function in that part um, the other, the last guy was Baruch um, in, Ch- in verse 20 the son of Zabbi earnestly repaired the other piece from the turning of the wall into the door of the house of Eliashab the high priest so he did it earnestly and I don't know, you know why it said he did it earnestly but I looked earnestly up in the dictionary and it says to glow or grow warm or figuratively to blaze up of anger, zeal or jealousy so he was fired up about it. You know, he was probably his, his zeal. You know, he knew the importance of getting this wall built. I mean, they needed defense. And he, you know, he went to it. He wasn't the guy drinking from his goatskin while the others did the work, you know. <clears throat> so, you know, all these people, you know, were kind of pointed out as different. All the other ones that said there's lots of people that helped, but they were, I mean, it just says they helped. But these several it kind of had a different, um, these guys kind of stood out. <clears throat> but all of these worked together to repair the breaches in the wall. Um, you know, in closing here, how does your section of the wall look? Um, are your relationships broken down or are they in need of repair? Um, will your section of the wall do its part in defending our city? Are you one of these that's kind of off by itself? Are you working on building up your corner or your piece of the wall there? Um, in uh, Nehemiah 6, 15 to 16, they're getting to the end of the building. Um, it says, so the wall was finished in the 20 and 5th day of the month, Elul, in fifty and two days, and it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. They knew they couldn't stand against it. They knew it was supernatural. They knew that God did it. Um, you know, that's my prayer for us, that God works in all of our hearts to um, restore, repair, um, continue. You know, we, a lot of us do have good relationships in here. Um, you know, we have to pray and believe God that he will help us build our wall. Um, he will do it, and he will be glorified. And it will be a testimony to those outside of here, you know, that God is real, he's strong, he works in our hearts, and we know he does that. Um, and kind of a, a byproduct product of that wall getting built, or after the wall was built, it was great revival in um, Jerusalem. You know, there's a reading of the word, confession of sins. There's a whole chapter or two that talks about all these things. Um, they were turned from following, you know, those sins. Um, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of what we have to look forward to. I mean, God rewards us when we obey him. And... When we have good relationships with people, 
that's one of the things that God uses to change us, to um, work in us, and we will be blessed because of it. So let's figure out where the holes are and figure out the gates that are down and build them up together. <laughs>